0: Hello, and welcome back to The Handmaid's Takes. Yeah. Uh, You listened to it recently. I didn't. Is that correct?
1: Actually, no. That's just the name of your Twitter account.
0: Oh, that I know. No, you had a different
1: name. I forget what it was, but I thought it was really funny at the time.
0: Well, that's a fond memory (laughs) that we can't be specific about. (laughs) Anyway, it's a a proud member of the Smug Buds family of podcasts, mm-hmm. and I'm your host, Will, and this is your co-host, Liz. Hi, Liz.
1: Hi, Will. How are you? Good. Welcome to July.
0: Indeed. Oh, say, can you see? By
1: it... the
2: dawn's early light.
0: That's, that's right. Yes. Uh, it's July 4th weekend.
1: And nothing like Fourth of July in our nation's capital.
0: And uh, tell me all about it.
1: I'm actually going to be in DC on the Fourth of July.
0: Yeah, and I don't and know
1: what that will actually entail, but I'm I've been invited to a Fourth of July party.
0: This is a first for you, Fourth yes. of July in DC.
1: Yeah, normally we um, don't do anything.
0: Right? Yeah, understandably.
1: Once we took Elliot to see fireworks, though, and he hated it and then fell uh-huh. asleep as we were walking back to the car, which was infuriating because it was, like, just as loud. Yeah. But then yesterday, Kenny was telling him about the 4th of July, and um, he was like, and there's fireworks? And Kenny was like, yeah. And he's like, and you take me to fireworks when I was a baby, but I didn't like it, and you carried me to the car. And we have not talked to Elliot about this. Hmm. So apparently it was traumatic.
0: Huh. Fascinating.
1: Also, I said to Kenny, Kenny, because Elliot made a little block house today and was like, it's the stakes of America. Okay. And then I said, I was like, okay, do you mean the United States? And he was like, yeah. And then Kenny said, yeah, I was explaining to him a little bit about the 4th of July and why it happens. And I was, he was like, I was like, did you get into any of the nuance? Like, did you mention slaves? And he said, I didn't get to slaves, but I did explain like, well, there were people here first.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. I was like,
1: good job, Kenny. (laughs) A little bit at a time.
0: You have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're talking about something that I think is thematically appropriate. Yes. uh, Which is one reason why we're doing this. Uh, basically as early as possible in the month mm-hmm. contrary to our track record this year so far of <laughs> putting off the one episode per month until close to the end the last weekend <laughs> um the the thematic concerns are one reason the other reason is that i have a trip coming up later in the month and uh this was the best time uh, I did this, uh, I did this to myself when I <laughs> scheduled this and I was not thinking when I <laughs> scheduled this, oh, I will, I will have to record this episode of the podcast at a time when 99% of my brain space is taken up by new magic cards, yeah, uh, and previews of the new D and D themed mm-hmm. set that is still, uh, uh, a matter of weeks away. But which we are learning all about mm-hmm. uh, at this at this time. Um, despite that, I have a, an unrelated topic, which you can say unless you have any old business.
1: I don't think I have any old business. We're here to talk about the most recent season. And I think a little bit for me, the third season, because I hadn't watched it yet, of, or most of it yet, of The Handmaid's Tale.
0: Yeah. So we're I'm doing a lot of sequel episodes this year. Mm-hmm. We did uh, uh our episode I did my episode on The Handmaid's Tale previously. Uh there were 3 seasons at that point. Yep. Now there are 4. And when we recorded that last one, you had quit watching the show like mid season 2, is that true?
1: That's correct. No. Yeah. No, I had finished season 2. Okay. And was like one episode into season three.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And now you've caught up. Yes. Okay. Now, are you aware that with season four of The Handmaid's Tale, Hulu introduced us to an after show?
1: I kept seeing ads for it, and the ad was, uh, a surprise to no one, Elizabeth Moss's face. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. Did you watch any of One Burning Question, the no, Handmaid's Tale I didn't. after show? Okay. Hi, Rudy.
1: <laughs> I was not expecting Rudy to come out from underneath the bed. I didn't know he was there. Directly my cat behind Rudy you. just, and I'm sorry if you hear him meowing, but he just crawled out from underneath the bed. Very surprising.
0: I, yeah, I mean, of all the sounds that could be picked up by the microphone, a, a vocal cat is not <laughs> one of the least pleasant that yeah that's perfectly fine that's <laughs> you love to see it and hear it so i uh am thinking of maybe i've been thinking about how i'm going to title this episode mm-hmm. and i haven't decided yet and i <laughs> thought i have thought maybe it's going to be called hashtag one burning question <laughs>
2: Uh, I feel
1: like those behind the scene things, because I didn't actually get to this part. I re-listened to our first episode today, mm-hmm. and I didn't actually get to this part. But I remember this, which is that the behind the scenes things somehow drove you more crazy than the show itself.
0: I have a lot of new install. Hi, Rudy. <laughs> you are really up on yeah. the microphone now. Okay, That's going to sound so good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, up, up, up.
0: Okay, so to be clear. Prior to season four, there were uh, always uh, extras, Mm -hmm. uh, little behind the scenes. I remember Game of Thrones did this, uh, where basically it would just be like five minutes per episode of the show where you see clips from scenes that you just saw Mm
2: -hmm.
0: intercut with interviews with the writers mm-hmm. makers of the show, the cast, and sometimes, but not really that much, actual behind the scenes
2: footage, right.
0: Um, and uh, mostly, you know, the, I think the Game of Thrones example was very mockable because it was a lot of them are, in the way that some like directors like commentary tracks are. Mm-hmm. where it's just like, Saying what we saw, you know, conclusions that we could have come to on our own. Nothing really interesting is added. They sort of pat themselves on the back for what a good job they did. Um, Handmaid's Tale uh, did this, uh, tried to drive me insane by doing it, and has continued to do that this season in ways we will get into. Mm -hmm. In addition to all that... The after show was newly introduced. This is another video you can watch after each episode. Insta- mo- instead of behind the scenes, it's like a talk back.
1: Oh, like they did that with like Chris Hardwick <laughs> used to do with The Walking Dead.
0: It's like The Talking Dead, except it's like 10 minutes long.
1: Oh, okay. That's good.
0: So it's like a 10 minute video of this woman uh a host maybe I've written a lot of notes maybe her name is somewhere in these notes I don't know um and uh talking to one or two people most of them are cast members a few are not and and mm-hmm. we'll get into that as well but mm-hmm. but each time they're uh Talking about the episode we just watched through the lens of one burning question, which they also want you to answer on Twitter using the hashtag one burning question. It is the same hashtag every single time. They, I think it's a no brainer to come up with a new hashtag for each Question.
1: Yeah, that's what ha- that would be a useful use of hashtags.
0: But as it is, you can use the hashtag one burning question to see people's responses to every single one of the ten questions that they pose throughout the season. Yeah, and also just people using it to post their reactions to the episode uh, in general.
1: Can I just say one burning question? Sounds like the name of like an advice column, like a radio advice column that would have been on Parks and Rec.
0: I'm glad you brought this up <laughs> because I would love to pose the question. Why is it called One Burning Question? <laughs> why? And the only reason I can think of is is a reason that just brings up more questions. Yeah, and the and the reason is that it is a tie-in to the um, visual advertising that they use to market this season.
1: God, I mean, good job with that in your brain, but it's such a loose. Like, if that was their intention, they still did a bad job. Do you know what I'm referring to? Though, yeah. So the so if you look at the um, main image, like the image that would be on the DVD.
0: It's probably the image for this episode.
1: Yeah, um, of
0: the
2: podcast.
1: Oh yes, it should be yes, correct. Um, but if you look at each season, I looked this up and sort of the main image. I forget what the first season is, but the second season is like June in her full handmaid's outfit. I want to yeah. say the first season is an overhead shot of, okay. of a handmaid, yeah, like in a circle, maybe. Not, not multiple handmaids, but one in, like, some sort of circle with, like, her dress spread out.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Season two is June just in her full getup as a yep. handmaid. Mm-hmm. Season three is June in her getup as a handmaid, but with her hair down. Okay. And then season four is what you're describing, which is she looks like she's in the Hunger Games and her handmaid's yes. cloak has, like, partially burned away. Yes. And there's, like, flames coming off of what has... You know, what is burning on the cloak?
0: It looks like she is wearing Katniss's girl yes. on fire dress. And the uh, tagline is let freedom rain. <laughs> and it's rain like a monarch rains, mm-hmm. um, which I guess is a play on let freedom ring, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a thing I have heard of. Yes. So, in hindsight, now we can say spoilers for The Handmaid's Tale, especially the new season.
2: <laughs> now yeah, if you we,
1: came into here thinking it was going to be spoiler free.
0: Now we can say, with hindsight, I guess that tagline is a reference to the fact that she will get her freedom this season. She, oh, yeah. She gets out of Gilead. Yeah. June does.
1: She doesn't um get waylaid by a shooting or just decide not to go.
0: <laughs> it's um it's kind of a spoiler. The it, and it's the tagline. Yeah, you can kind of look at that. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. Obviously, mm-hmm. I didn't come to this conclusion prior to watching the new episodes, but I think you can look at that tagline and go like, "Oh, she's she's gonna get out mm-hmm. finally." Um, so we can, uh, I, I don't, I have a lot of notes, but they were just taken episode by episode. So Mm -hmm. I don't have like a specific structure in mind. Um, we can talk more about one burning question, the after show, or we can talk about more sort of big picture sort of macro view of the season and what's interesting about it. Um, Or I can just get into my notes and we go through them episode by episode. There are 10 episodes.
1: Can I briefly um, say a sort of general takeaway I have between season three and season four? Yeah, please. So, well, I'm actually going to now talk about all four seasons, but briefly Mm -hmm. for the first two. (laughs) So the first season, as we discussed, is like very close to the book. There's parts in it that are sort of weird, but you can almost like pretend they don't exist and just pretend it's like the book and then it's like, it's It's fine.
0: It's a pretty straight up adaptation of the book. Yes. The entire book that is the first season.
1: Yes. Season two, as we've discussed as part of the problem, is like, oh, we're still here. more yeah so it becomes it's like just as sort of like tortury and terrible
0: it's 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 more of the same but also it needs to escalate which means it you know things get more horrible it's and it's more uh unpleasant and it kind of tests your your ability to you know take in yeah that level of of unpleasant content
1: season three which I had not watched very much of before mm-hmm. a week or two ago or like a couple of weeks ago when i started rewatching in preparation for or not rewatching but watching again in order mhm is so silly because at this point it's like what are the stakes they've made it less torturous which is good but it's also like where like where do we go from here Why are these people still doing these same things? Why is June still alive to begin with? Mm -hmm. Like, she should be dead. And it's very silly. Yeah. And then I want to say this by saying, I'm not saying it's not still silly, but I found season four to at least be on first watch significantly more interesting. Yes. Because finally we get to see... And I think Sarah even said this to me when the very first season came out. Sarah said to me, I wish they would show more about the refugees because that's really interesting to me. Right. And lo and behold, it was, in fact, way more interesting mm-hmm. um, on an actual meaningful level to yeah. see <laughs> to see outside of Gilead where we're just like, yeah, they're still like, you know, raping people and blah, blah, blah. Um, now, again, is it not silly? Is it good? No. But I will say that I – was more titillated than I yep. was by season three, which the whole time I was just like, why is this happening? What are they doing? Mm-hmm. All of these people should be dead. How, who Commander Lawrence is a character that makes no sense
0: at all. <laughs> okay. so So I want to interject a couple of things. One is I looked down at my notes and I saw a different tagline. And so I had to Google Let Freedom Rain real quick. And I was like, did I just make that up? Yeah. But okay, so I did find examples of them using Let Freedom Rain in their marketing. Yeah. However, the image with the Hunger Games dress has a different tagline, which is let us pray. That's right. And pray (laughs) is spelled with an E like predator and pray.
1: You had texted me when this image was released, and I think I should be able to find it pretty quickly, a screenshot from Twitter that was talking about the new season. And it had this, like, let us pray.
0: Of the woman who is like, do you think they spelled it way, that way on purpose? She,
1: she, It's even funnier than that, because she says, is pray spelt like that deliberately? Mm-hmm. To which somebody responds, probably. I think... <laughs> I can't get I can't even get through this sentence. No. It's Probably. Great. I think this season we'll see June kicking ass and taking names.
0: That's right. Yes. <laughs> and and if that were someone being ironic, that's very funny and savvy in my opinion. And if that is someone being sincere, that is that's the whole problem with everything <laughs> that we're talking about. Because okay, so let's just talk macro real quick macro about the show and then I yep. want to respond to what you were saying about this season. I last episode uh I want to just recap something I said and then expand on it slightly. Yeah. I said, I, I read the book for the first time mm-hmm. so that I could talk about the show on the podcast. And I understood, Oh, the power of the book is that it is like a fictional Anne Frank's diary. Right. Mm-hmm. The The power is in like the document, the text, um, the, the
1: reversal at the end and how we receive the, imp- and how we're receiving, why we're receiving the information.
0: Sure. That's part of it too. The, the way I want to expand on that is by saying, I think if you consider the source material, the, the, my, the reason I'm so hung up on, on this show mm-hmm. being such a weird phenomenon is that in the show itself, but way more so in the way that the show is packaged and the way that it's presented and the way that it's talked about and enjoyed. Mm-hmm. it it To me, it's like somebody went, you know, what if Anne Frank was a girl boss? Like, what <laughs> if she survived and she was a badass motherfucker, <laughs> you know? And she was like, the female dexter oh like, no the, like like that's,
1: oh my god well that's it <laughs>
0: that's the show's whole vibe to me and that's that's why i find it very funny and kind yeah. of repugnant now here's the thing about season 4 in in towards the beginning i was like i don't hate this Mm -hmm. They're making some choices I find interesting. And then somewhere towards the middle, I went, okay, like, you know, I've taken notes. I can find, you know, nits to pick. Mm -hmm. But this is like about as good as the show was at the beginning.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And then right around episode eight out of ten, I made the decision... No, this season is better. This, this, see, I'm not saying that this is better than Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale. Yes. And you could mistake me for saying that because season one is an adaptation of the Mm -hmm. book. But I'm saying as a show, this season four is the best, is my favorite season of the show. Good.
1: Okay. I'm glad that my reading wasn't totally off. No, (laughs)
0: they they did a lot of stuff that I really genuinely like. Mm -hmm. Um, So another, before I get into the episode notes, just another lens through which I think is very interesting to look at this is the timing, right? Right, yeah. And we could talk all about the timing of how... You know, we had like a year of pandemic Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and then this season came along and the pandemic is still ongoing, but it's been a year and we're in the vaccine, you know, part of uh, the story of this thing now. But besides that, we also had a presidential election.
1: Yes, we did. We um, sure
0: did. And and in fact we had we ha- in fact we have one every 4 years.
1: Yeah, um in multiples of my birthday.
0: And I don't know if you remember but the uh if you look at the past two uh the outcomes were different. Yes. So, um the amazing thing is that they were, you know, think back to the beginning. Mhm. They were making this show already. Mm -hmm. And then Trump became president. Yes. And the show premiered. Yeah. (laughs) And a big part of the discourse around the show was, I don't know if I can handle this. Yeah. Because of what's happening in real life. Yeah. And now they were writing the show Mm -hmm. and making it already yeah (laughs) when they made a season where june gets to leave gilead and Mm -hmm. we as the viewer basically leave gilead behind Mm -hmm. even the villains are not in gilead anymore most of them i'm talking about fred and serena yeah uh and uh she starts to uh get revenge and also it's a narrative about her post-traumatic stress yes. go, trying to go back to a normal life and that's and that season only came along once trump was no longer president
1: yeah yeah
0: how does that happen <laughs>
1: yeah they got lucky
0: that's crazy mm-hmm. um so uh for more on this um uh, Let's just re- cut
1: to our correspondent in the field.
0: Well, just real quick, recommended reading. You're listening to the podcast, presumably, because you know you're going to get my snarky, granular, uh, smug uh, view of the show. Um, for a uh, really interesting, nuanced, uh, complicated good reading of the show uh i recommend reading uh emily Vanderwerf's uh review of season four uh written for vox uh, which i'll link to in the uh in the show notes it's called it's called the handmaid's tale invites its viewers to joe biden's gilead uh (laughs) by by emily Vanderwerf, um and uh it's 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 really it's really a well-done piece Um, Now let's see how how granular we can go. Mm -hmm. Um, Episode one is called Pigs. Um, I'm just going to read through some of my notes and we'll see what does or doesn't spark a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're introduced to a new character who we first get to know as Mrs. Keys. Mm -hmm. And I wrote... That Mrs. Keyes could be Kiernan Shipka's little sister.
1: I, so do you know she played a young Sabrina?
0: That's the next thing I was going to say. Yes. I <laughs> look her up.
1: This is the conversation that Kenny and, uh, and that Sarah and I had about this. I said to Sarah, I call her, for some reason, I call that character the little wife, is what I just started calling her. Mm-hmm. The, I said, the little wife looks just like Emma Watson at
2: uh-huh. that age. Sure.
1: And she said, oh, yes, Sabrina. And I said, no, that's Kiernan Shipka. And then I said, Kenny just looked it up and she played a young Sabrina on Sabrina, who is normally played by Kiernan Shipka. Right. And then Sarah said, is that who uh, Joshua Bassett left Olivia Rodrigo for? And I said, no, that was Sabrina Carpenter. (laughs) Okay. So we had a whole little little tie together of that.
0: I followed that until the last part of it the, my next note is uh i'm just gonna read this verbatim uh revenge killing makes me feel like a natural woman <laughs> i guess that's a reference to a needle i texted drop. you about that yeah mm-hmm.
1: i was like oh no
0: yeah uh that was a, a just a good juxtaposition um i wrote on the way to the farm why no change of clothes i think <laughs> if i remember correctly when they arrive at the farm where yeah. they're expecting safe haven mm-hmm. they're still in their uh handmade uh, uh outfits when i think prior to that we had already seen them like being smuggled in a truck secretly in a truck and mm-hmm. so like the, there were people helping them it was just it just seemed silly to me that they hadn't you know, changed outfits by that point. When oh, they, but you love to they, see a
1: handmaid, that red cloak in the snow.
0: It's very iconic, absolutely, but <laughs> but not practical for where they were in the no. story. Um, <laughs> so I wrote, uh, why does Mark? You know, Mark.
1: Marks the um yeah. one guardian, or uh, I, or whatever. No, what are they called?
0: Are you thinking of Nick?
1: Oh, are you thinking of? T- um, Tuello?
0: Mark, Mark tu- Tuello. Mark Tuello, a char- Which why
1: did they pick that name?
0: <laughs> a character who for some reason they really really want me to know his full name and remember it. <laughs> uh so so Mark Tuello, I, re- I wrote, why does Mark tell the Waterfords that it was June behind the plane getting out getting the kids out of There's so there's a conversation in the first episode where Mark Tuello explains to the Waterfords how the how so many kids were smuggled out. Yeah. And then he also tells them that it was June's fault. And it's like, okay, seems like TMI.
1: But also, why are they in that bougie prison?
0: I think I I think that's later in my notes. I think later in my notes I write, like, why does every place in Canada look like a Star Trek set? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but but most importantly, I wrote here Again, you know, I was watching these week to week. So when Mm -hmm. I wrote these notes, I didn't know anything about the following nine episodes. Mm -hmm. I wrote minimal voiceover only once at 18 and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. And that would turn out to be one of the hallmarks of this season. And one reason why I think it stands out as such an improvement. Mm -hmm. There's very little June voiceover. Throughout this whole season. And they kind of, sort of, not in such a significant way, pumped the brakes on the needle drop thing. Um, Did they, though? I feel like it used to be like scrubs level. Like, it is mandatory that there is one of these per episode. I guess I will say some of the One of of the the reasons it was so bad was they were scraping the bottom of the barrel in order to keep doing it
1: i will say there is i did there was one episode that did not end on a needle drop it ended in silence and, and I, I was like okay that was actually that was a good choice here but i just I, there were so many times that i texted you and was like why
0: <laughs> there were like three or four times tops in 10 mm. episodes which is pretty good yeah and i i'm remembering like when the there's an episode that ends with her getting off the boat and stepping into Canada, mm-hmm. and that and they
1: played "O Canada" for some reason, and mm. it was like,
0: well, that's what they could have done, and in, <laughs> and instead they used "Score" instead of yes. a needle drop to yes. score it, and it was effective, and it was and it was done well. So, what's the one burning question? Um, <laughs> the 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 one burning question for episode one. Is does June have a new daughter? <laughs> because episode one ends with Mrs. Keys spooning June in, in bed. And, and mm-hmm. June calls her banana. Um, And that was with uh, the guests on that episode of One Burning Question. Were Janine.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And... A woman who was introduced as a super fan of the show.
2: What? <laughs> uh,
0: and and I'm not, I'm, I'm about to tell you who it is. It's not okay. just some rando who they plucked out of uh, a subreddit. No, but they, they they say from The Bachelorette and a super fan of The Handmaid's Tale, Rachel Lindsay. hmm. Who uh, do you know? Who Rachel Lindsay is? No. Okay, so she was the first black Bachelor. Oh,
1: okay, yes.
0: And she, ba- basically, uh, she she was the one interviewing Chris Harrison, mm-hmm. former host of The Bachelor, uh, when right. when that guy put his foot in his mouth so bad that he's not the host of the show anymore.
1: Yeah, after like his whole life
0: (laughs) yeah after you know 25 years or whatever it's been um so uh so rachel Lindsay. uh so okay so i have to you haven't seen it which is spectacular i cannot sufficiently describe to you the set of one burning question I will attempt to describe it to you, but I guarantee you will not get an accurate mental image. Yeah. It is a deep stage. Okay. Wooden uh, board, wooden floorboards
2: mm-hmm.
0: surrounding the stage. You can see three walls, and there are hanging. Very large uh images from the show. Oh, okay. Then the host is on the left mm-hmm. in a in a chair, uh like a like a big armchair.
1: Like a wingback?
0: Possibly. And then she's talking to one or two guests who may or may not be present in that space with her
1: right because of the
2: pandemic
0: and if they're present they have their own chair Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and if they're not present there is a gigantic screen oh wow that their face appears on that's weird i haven't i haven't told you the shape of the screen the shape of the screen is very vertical So it's kind of like a giant smartphone.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it's like a giant FaceTime situation. And
0: at the beginning, I was like, are they doing this with green screen? Or is this in camera? And at first, Mm -hmm. it looked so odd that I thought like, oh, the host must just be staring at a green screen. And then they Mm -hmm. add the... And then I started to notice, like, you can see, like, glare on the monitors, (laughs) Oh no. It's like, I think they're real. I think they really have these like giant monitors that they like turned sideways.
2: Uh
0: Um, and, uh, the interview style is like posing the one burning question to the guests and then just like asking variations. And it's a lot of, um, when it's a fan, a celebrity fan, it -hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. But there are way more cast members than there are celebrity fans.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they're sort of asked the same questions. Like, they're not being asked, like, what was it like to make this episode? Which would be Which interesting. Which makes sense for a talk back with yeah. the cast. They're being asked, like, so what do you think is going to happen next? Like, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I'll get more into that as it gets more interesting as, as it goes. Well, and I feel like the
1: answers can only be things like, well, June's really going to have to reckon with ABC. And it's like, yeah, I could guess that.
0: Yes. (laughs) Conclusions that you could come to on your own. Absolutely. So episode two is called nightshade. Um, Yes. Okay. So there's uh, a poisoning um, Mm -hmm. in this episode. And so, June gets an opportunity to poison a bunch of commanders at once. And she sort of goes out of her way and sort of puts herself at risk and her friends at risk to, to do this. And then, um, I think someone, I think a Martha who is, who is in on it, who's Mm -hmm. working there says, do you want to stay for the fireworks? And I know to June Mm -hmm. Right. Because June was just going to deliver the poison and then leave. Mm -hmm. And I remember this because I wrote in my notes, staying for the fireworks equals poisoning the drinks and then leaving. (laughs) Because she says, do you want to stay for the fireworks? And then June just sort of stays in the back and puts the poison in some drinks. Mm -hmm. And then she leaves before the poison has any effects on anyone. Yeah. So I don't think she stays for the fireworks. Um, Like I think it implies. Okay, here is where I wrote, why does every room in Canada look like Star Trek? (laughs) Um, Okay, uh, I think this, so my next note is uh, two quotes. One is you learn things on a farm Mm -hmm. and the other is a Martha taught me. And I think I wrote this down because of it's Mrs. Keyes' dialogue About the nightshade. So so June discovers that Mrs. Keys has been poisoning her husband with the nightshade. That's why he's not with it. Uh, And June says something like, how did you, you know, how do you know how to do this? And she says, I learned things on a farm. You learn things on a farm. And then like less than a minute later, they're still talking about it. And she says, a, Mar- "A Martha taught me, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, about these poisons or whatever." And it's like, okay, well, you didn't have to say you learned things on a farm. <laughs> then <laughs> you had a more specific explanation. Okay, okay, yes, all right. I, I'm reading my notes, and then I have to remember the context for them because mm-hmm. I didn't write down the context. So the context for this note is. Um, at the end of this episode, June gets recaptured. Yes. And, uh, Nick is there and, uh, June is with somebody when she gets captured and he gets shot in the head mm-hmm. and they are standing right next to each other. Yep. And I wrote, should June get that poor guy's blood on her face? <laughs> she was right beside him. <laughs> Um, he was shot in such a way that it was like it was pretty brutal and graphic.
1: Oh yeah, it was very bad.
0: And and she was standing right next to him, and she does not appear to have any uh blood on her. Um, the one, bird, but also
1: yeah. also again, like I complained about this in our last episode, and I'll complain about it now, which is that like in that episode that you had me watch in the third season, where the Handmaid of Color who's very righteous, which, wow, she was way more annoying when I had seen the episodes leading up to her being shot, Mm -hmm. as a note.
0: Yeah, that's the worst of the whole show so far.
1: She gets shot, and she, like, flies, and that's not how bullets work. Like, bullets are small, and they're made to go through you. They're not going to push you anywhere.
2: Yeah,
1: pretty crazy. so, like...
0: Weird, weird, weird stunt.
1: Yeah, but why? weird? And so, similar to this, like, what...
0: So... Uh, the one burning question for episode two is the one that Dana and I have not stopped making fun of ever since. <laughs> okay. Because I am not paraphrasing when, oh. I, when I say that the one burning question for this episode is, what's up with Nick?
1: Is this also like the one burning question of like The Great Gatsby? <laughs>
0: Could be. <laughs> uh, What's
1: up with Nick? What's up? Who was the guest on this?
0: Rachel Lindsay returned. Okay. And the cast member was... Uh, I'm I'm not going to use actors' names except for when I do, like yeah, I did earlier. That's fine. Um, Luke. Uh, the guy Luke. who plays Luke was on there. And obviously they wanted to, you know... Uh, Get get some light comedy out of asking the Luke guy. Like, yeah. well, what do you think of Nick? Like, what are you know? What are his motives? What's yeah. what's he going to do next? Do do we trust him or don't we? Um, and how's uh, your
1: wife's lovers do doing?
0: <laughs> right. They, they. I wrote here um, just a note to remind myself that I thought it was funny how much they cut to the interviewer nodding a lot. (laughs) Like you, you you just see this woman just nodding her head so much. Her her head could fall off. (laughs) Um, And then, but most importantly, I wrote a note here to remind myself about Nick's um, fist bump of June's shoulder. And this was significant. So this is the moment when they are recapturing her.
1: Oh, and he says, I'm trying to keep you alive.
0: That random guy's been shot. And, yeah. and I think, if I remember correctly, I think Nick bends down yeah, he to does. whisper to her. And then he picks himself up. And in doing so, he sort of like puts his fist <laughs> on June's shoulder. <laughs> and this was significant because Dana pointed that out like that was meaningful. And then we watched one burning question, and they talked about that like it was meaningful. Uh, I think it was the Luke guy who was like, "Did you see? Did you see when he did a little <laughs> fist bump on her shoulder?" Like, and everyone's British, by the way. Everyone's British or Australian.
1: What? So Luke's British?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like,
1: I knew Nick was British.
0: Literally, I think Nick. Uh, Luke, Fred, and Serena are all not American. Wow. And I think they're all British except I think Serena is Australian.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. She if I remember Australian. correctly.
0: Um, so episode three is called The Crossing. Oh. And I wrote the torture episode. <laughs> and did you know this? I can't remember if we talked about this. Mm-hmm. I think this is so fascinating keep in your mind the images of what June goes through in this one particular episode mm-hmm. did you know that this episode is Elizabeth Moss's directorial debut
1: Oh Lord I did see that she had because she directed some other episodes this season too she, right
0: she directed three episodes this season she's never directed before uh-huh. never directed the sh- anything before yes. let alone yes, yes, yes. the show that she stars in and executive produces and it does seem to me like something a star does mm-hmm. after a while if a show goes on long enough and, yeah, um, and and i wonder if you know it is sort of a training ground for like okay, you know everything about how this set works D- direct here and that's like directing with like training wheels on.
1: Can I actually give you my favorite example of this? Sure. So Kenny and I watched all of the TV show Gotham mm-hmm. which I mean it's like a like a like a superhero TV show, but it it ranged from like very very terrible for the first half of the se- the first season to like pretty good to like bad again uh-huh. um and in the last season um uh Jim Gordon's character who is played by the guy who was Ryan on the OC mm-hmm. um marries um a woman who's been playing a doctor who is the woman who plays the sex worker in Firefly
0: yeah Marina Baccarin.
1: yes And they get married in this episode. And that was an episode that he directed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I want to say, wrote? Mm. Maybe I'm wrong. But can you imagine? But okay, but he and Marina were dating in real life because of the show and now have a child together. Sure. So the episode that he directed was the episode in which he is fake married to his real partner.
0: Yeah, That is funny.
1: And it was the worst episode of the season. (laughs) Of that season.
0: Yeah. And that's probably not much on him. Um, You know, uh, television, uh, they say, uh, is not a director's medium Mm -hmm. uh, to begin with. But um, I was thinking of, um, okay, so I'm just looking up John Krasinski. Yes. Because I was remembering that, uh, but I didn't remember the specifics, Mm
2: -hmm. that
0: he directed three episodes of The Office. Oh, really? Like later episodes. Yeah. Um, And now he's, you know, now he's a sort of major feature film director because of two Quiet Place movies.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I also heard some some very loud birdage on on your end.
1: Oh, really?
0: Yeah. At least I think it's on your end.
1: I mean, there are trees. There is a tree right outside my window. I didn't hear. I was not paying attention to the bird.
0: Okay, so this is the one where she's tortured a lot. Yeah. Because they captured her, but not the other handmaids.
1: And they want to know where the other handmaids are. Exactly. They're they're hiding.
0: So um, a couple of people who you don't see on camera... Who you will see if you watch, not One Burning Question, but the behind-the-scenes featurette videos, mm-hmm. are Bruce Miller, who is the showrunner, and Warren Littlefield, who is a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember, It was ju- he's just in the one episode, uh, a character they call the lieutenant, who they basically bring in to do the torture?
1: Yes, I do. I because th- he was like, "I'm quirky,"
0: I think, that and that, condescending. Yes, that was his character. Uh, I think that that guy looks a lot like Warren Littlefield, the uh, producer of the show.
1: That's very funny.
0: I think it's funny. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is where I wrote that Janine uh, always has an eye patch to uh, match the uh, color that she's wearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she used to have a red one for her handmaid's outfit.
1: Which was a big gift.
0: In this episode, she has a sort of beige canvas one mm-hmm. to match the sort of sack dresses that the handmaids are wearing and hiding.
1: Which also is a note. I don't know if I texted you about this, but I feel like like they make a big deal when Aunt Lydia gives her that red eye patch for the first time. Like it's this like special gift. Yeah. And at one point I think even Law and Order Guy comments on it and is like, She doesn't deserve this dignity, basically.
0: Yeah. You, um you watched it more recently than I did, so.
1: Yeah, but um I bring this up because it just seems very clear to me that they were tired of doing the makeup on her eye.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Like that's the only reason she's wearing an eye patch now is because they were like, This is
2: Liz, it's exhausting. a
0: big character moment. Please. <laughs> It's part of Aunt Lydia's redemption arc that, you know, is because of the testaments. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh so so the torture ends in uh Hannah I mean I mean June seeing Hannah. Yeah. And Hannah's afraid of her. And I wrote, they put Hannah inside a child sized magneto prison.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. And there's like a drain.
0: <laughs> Which is a silly image, um, and then uh in that scene uh june is is handcuffed
2: mm-hmm.
0: and do you do you remember the image of that? We get at least one close up on it no, um, so her handcuffs are sort of like they're sort of leather,
1: okay, yeah,
0: I wrote, why did Gilead reinvent or deinvent handcuffs? <laughs> What's wrong with metal?
1: <laughs> Especially since, r- despite that being a magneto-esque cell, mm-hmm. nobody can control metal with no, their minds.
0: No, I think so. Yeah, somebody forgot that they were not making X two. <laughs> no, clearly, like the whoever is doing production design has some kind of a license to like make everything look this, you know fancy schmancy old world kind of way yeah and sometimes it sort of defies logic a little yeah bit, I think in my opinion yeah then uh the the reason why this episode is, is called the crossing is because this is this is the ep- the one with the train yes I wrote here uh Dana joked about the handmaids uh so this before before it happens. Mm -hmm. before we see it happen, Dana joked about the handmaids getting hit by the train. (laughs) And then it did happen. (laughs) And so it was pretty funny. And it was funny because we had been joking about it. And it was also funny because it it looks bad.
1: Which, can I say that I said to um, Kenny, because Kenny had watched that with me. And I said... Oh, Will just said to me, "Oh, so you saw the CGI train collision? I think you called it." Yeah. And Kenny said, oh, "I know that Will is a sucker for real life train collisions."
0: <laughs> you know that something has to be pretty bad mm-hmm. for me to bring this up. Mm-hmm. Cause, sure. Because I don't, I don't complain about CGI or how it looks.
1: Oh, yeah. Very Mm -hmm.
0: much at all. But this felt very much like, you know, they were aspiring to do something really cinematic. Mm -hmm. And they are still a streaming only television show. And they did not really have the budget to do this.
1: You know what, though? You mentioned this in our first episode. You said they either don't have the time or they don't have the money. To, I said like, that because they keep takes.
0: they keep making little mistakes. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I I just want to say that I think the answer I think that they have plenty of money. I think that they don't care, uh, I, <laughs> and I, maybe I, don't have the time. But like, I just feel like if they really wanted to do that train crash in a way that didn't look so ridiculous, I think that they absolutely could have because so many of those shots are so meticulously lit
0: that's a totally different thing lighting can, just, the, the lighting that they do can can be done practically and in fact i think what makes this show look so stunning and remarkable much mm-hmm. of the time is the pools of light that they actually create in camera yes i'm talking about something that they could not do in camera which is not only hit women with a train, yeah, <laughs> but also film a train going by. Like, you cannot do multiple takes yes. with a train that needs to cross at a particular moment.
1: My point is they could have made different choices about the way they angled that shot, it's, the way that they... It's not like, a, it's
0: not a matter of angles though, because they shoot it. They, you see it from lots of different angles. You see it from one angle when they're getting hit. You see it from this. You, you see an aerial view, yeah. not of the moment of collision, but you see an like collision aside, just an aerial view of what is supposed to be a train going through mm. looks really bad because it looks really obvious that the train is fake.
1: That's what I'm saying though is that like I feel like they could have just made more subtle choices and it would have looked better because it wouldn't have made it so obvious that they were not willing to do whatever they needed to do to make what they wanted to do look good.
0: I, I Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. And I think that the problem <laughs> is the opposite. I think uh-huh. I think that they care so much that mm-hmm. their ambition is greater than their means. I don't I think, think it, that they I don't think don't, it looks bad because they're careless and they make mistakes.
1: I I guess what I mean is I don't think it's let me take back what I said. I it's not that I think that they don't care as in they're flippant. I think what I mean is that they don't care in the sense that they're not really taking constructive criticism from anybody so they just do whatever they want and they do it the way that they want to and then you end up with this very ridiculous train scene
0: okay the uh one burning question here was has june failed as a leader (laughs) um and i think that this is the one and only episode that has only one guest who is it and it's elizabeth moss
1: oh what did she say
0: i don't know (laughs) something something boring
1: didn't they release the first three episodes all at once?
0: That's true. Yes. I, I had forgotten about that, but you are correct. So
1: I wonder if um, they maybe positioned her there specifically because it was sort of like the... Sort of like, you know, show-stopping moment. I mean, if you're sitting and watching everything back-to-back of those first three episodes.
0: That's true. I forgot that they did that, but you're absolutely right. Okay, yeah. And finally, so I wrote... um. And the the, uh, answer to to this question turned out to be basically no. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, maybe the answer, you can read it and think that it's yes and it's subtle and I missed it. But I wrote, will June have regrets about lingering over Lydia in the hearse?" No, no, she has um, no
2: regrets for that.
0: While while she could have been fleeing, because basically the series of events is that June has Lydia pinned down Janine and, and, is gonna and like Alma her and, death. and Janine and Alma and the others are like, let's go, let's go.
1: And specifically Alma is like, we have to go. She calls, she says, you dummy.
0: Um, and then uh, every Alma and, and, and the rest, as they once said on Gilligan's Island.
1: My mom's favorite. <laughs> the,
0: other, the other non-characters among the handmaids. They yeah. all get killed. Uh, by the train. And one of the reasons is why. Is is because June did not get up and leave when she, when she could have. She, the other she funny had to thing stare at Lydia for a while.
1: Is there's two handmaids on this train or on this van. That are just kind of there to fill space. Sure. They're just like, I don't know where they came from. It doesn't say how they got there. Mm-hmm. Because the handmaids that were on the farm were. Brianna, Alma, Janine. And June. Okay. So the fact that like as they're running, there's yeah. like six handmaids and the two of them just sort of unceremoniously. I mean, I say unceremoniously, but like they get shot. They actually get shot. They never actually get to the train tracks. True. And it's just like so weird that you're focusing on this like really core group of people that have been working together for four episodes specifically.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and in hindsight, you know, pretty stupid. That it was just the one driver plus Lydia and the handmaids. And the driver, I guess, had to take a piss. And so he yeah. left them alone. Um, and that that was, you know, just convenience. It was not like, oh, it turned out, you know, he was paid off or something like that.
2: Well,
1: and also um, they have Lydia in the back. She should clearly be in the passenger side. And then they should have the back doors locked. Like, there's just like, it's sloppy.
0: It was very sloppy. Um Episode four is called Milk.
2: Uh-huh.
0: I wrote the abortion episode. And then I wrote, I said, oh, no, out loud when the first Janine flashback started. Yeah. Um, I will
1: say this, which I think is, I, I feel like I need to bring this up in general because it's important in general, not in terms of the way that the show utilizes it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is that um, those crisis pregnancy centers are like a very real reality in the United States. Okay. My, f- my friend Emily um, has written and been on NPR even um, about her experience with them. Yes. So it is interesting to me, outside of the episode, to think, okay, in this pre-Gilead world... But just right before there, these crisis pregnancy centers are going to probably be, especially if like the birth rate's down or whatever, flourishing.
0: You're, you are being extremely generous to this episode of the show in the way that I never could have predicted.
1: <laughs> I, again, I'm not saying that the show is good. I'm saying those crisis pregnancy centers are real and they're very bad.
0: Okay. Consider, and I
1: can understand conceptually why somebody would have, in, as like an elevator pitch, been like, "Hey, people probably wanted to sometimes get abortions in pre-Gilead, so you know what probably would have been flourishing is those crisis pregnancy centers." I speak, I speak nothing to the execution of the actual episode.
0: What's more important to me is that I, I implore you. To consider your audience in the way that my point about this is that mm-hmm. I implore them, the makers of the show, to consider their audience. No shit these places exist. Yeah. If you're watching The Handmaid's Tale, I bet you were probably, like me, watching John Oliver like five years ago. Like, yeah, th- like I'm super aware that this type of place exists. And it really, really, in a in a way that is like really making me roll my eyes, kind of a way. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like the whole point of writing this plot into this episode was like it's like a PSA that yeah. th- that these pre- you know predatory places exist.
1: Yeah, I will we- say I did not know about them before I learned about them through my friend Emily having gone through them and I feel like I'm somebody who listens to things yeah it's I just hadn't encountered them it, I just didn't know it's the it's it
0: seems like neither the time nor the place to me mhm and I understood that to be um an issue uh like with a capital i yeah that like had been covered for me
2: Mm -hmm. for
0: a while in a number of ways and this was not doing it in a new way oh no aside from the issue part of it just the flashback part of it reminds me of like the worst of lost a, a show
1: oh yeah that
0: i uh uh lost a lot of uh, respect for along the way
1: yeah that show started so strong and then just got weirder
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh yeah i got more than just weirder <laughs> <laughs> um I-, I wrote uh in my notes has milk ever been transported like this like oil in a tanker
1: oh that it definitely is transported in a tanker
0: on a train
1: yeah okay. it is um which i only know cuz i grew up in god's country you know pennsylvania's like a big dairy state
0: yeah i was willing to believe that that was possible that somewhere along the supply chain that that milk would be transported like that but also uh in in another way i was willing to believe that this is nonsense
1: oh well let me tell you the nonsense part i'm so glad that this milk tanker truck conveniently has little windows yes the tanker's not... So, well, the two things is that, like, the fact that June finds some sort of, like, drain that
2: mm-hmm. she can
1: just unscrew with her hand... Yeah. ...doesn't make any sense. Right. But two, they have these little windows along the sides of the tanker so we so that they can see each other because otherwise they would have to have this be shot and t- it would just be a black screen and you would hear them talking.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, Here's a little tidbit from inside the episode, which is the behind the scenes featurette. So Mm -hmm. do you remember this uh, episode ends when they get out of the milk tanker? Yeah. Um, They're brought in by this resistance group in Chicago. Uh, It's not Mm Mayday. And the resistance leader is a dude who... Stephen. Yes, his name is Stephen. And he wants a uh, sexual favor in return for, you know, housing them or whatever.
1: So that they can, that they sh- they say we can be useful. And he says, okay, well, which one of you is staying with me?
0: So uh, June, uh, it's going to be June to for the sake of protecting Janine. But then she refuses mm-hmm. and she says, let's get out of here. And then Janine takes her place, and and that and then the episode ends, and we do not know at this point
1: mm-hmm.
0: that in the following episode there's going to be like a thing between that guy and Janine, where she like
1: consensually.
0: That's the key word,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because we don't know that when we when we watch the inside the episode. <gasps> For yeah. this for this episode uh-huh. and Elizabeth Moss refers to Janine. Um, she, she says that Janine sleeps with <laughs> so she uses the term sleeps with Stephen no. and oh. she calls it consensual.
1: In the well, OK, so this is something that I think is super fucked up that they did that like. Is, like, I guess makes sense within the, like, Mm -hmm. world, but is just, like, unnecessary in, like, the way that a lot of things are unnecessary in this show. Mm -hmm. Which is right before the sexual favor conversation. They're talking to him or whatever. And Steven says, I can't believe it. Real sex slaves in America. Like, he's clearly disgusted
2: Mm -hmm.
1: that this is happening. And that, like he's meeting these people that he's only heard sort of like tales about. Mm-hmm. And June says that wasn't America. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause there's like some weird patriotism too, that happens in this episode and, or in this, in this uh, season. And then he immediately pivots to, well, <laughs> you have to do sexual favors for me then in order to stay. You have literally no other use for us, which we know it could not, is not necessarily true. And also what they're suggesting And then when June is, like, struggling, she starts, like, crying or whatever. He's like, I'm not going to make you do it, but you can't stay if you don't. And so I feel like that's what they're trying to say is consensual. Yes. Is because, like, oh, they had a choice. Right. Except for the fact that it's, like, winter and it's, like, what kind of choice? It's the same way that later when they're – when the well, and we'll get to this, but when later somebody suggests uh, in the courtroom that June had a choice because she could have gone to the colonies.
0: Right, yeah. And I think part of the, it it, it seems as if with that, not only that choice that they made, but other also other choices that they've made before and mm-hmm. other choices that they will make later this season, it's as if in the writer's room, you know, where they have a whiteboard, where stuff gets erased, but some stuff never gets erased. Yeah, like the <laughs> it's in permanent marker. The cornerstone in permanent marker is just rape in big block letters. Yes, and the goal of the show is just to like find new iterations. Yes, of rape and like, well, uh, what if it was this circumstance? Would it be consensual? And like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like it's like they're making an effort to make the conversation about consent more complicated. Um, And, and I think that perhaps they think that they are like adding nuance to their narrative in a way that's interesting. Yeah. When, when I think one of the, the consequences is that it just, it seems like, Um, I don't know. It's like they're into it. It seems like they're on the side of, uh, I'm very glad I don't remember the name of the blurred lines guy right now.
1: Robin Thicke. Yes. Yes. Alan Thicke's son.
0: That's right. Thank you for reminding me. Um, (laughs) uh, rest in peace, Alan Thicke. Uh, uh, yeah, it seems like they, they, uh, might listen to blurred lines and think that Robin Thicke was like onto something. Um, (laughs) So the, uh, one burning question was, have we underestimated Janine? Mm. Um, and it is. I
1: will say one of my favorite lines, and I think it's in the third season, but a, a line that legitimately made me laugh at one point was there, I guess they're working on, they're working on some sort of plot in the grocery store. And Janine says, what? I'm brave.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Janine has some good moments this season. Um. The guests on one burning question were the great Anne Dowd who plays Aunt Lydia.
1: I love I wish Aunt Lydia I love her. she's such a good actress.
0: She's uh, in her own league yeah by far
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and uh they're I, I I feel like they I feel like they know it um, and uh, the other guest was a comedian. And super fan of the show, Whitney Cummings. In this episode of One Burning Question, uh, Whitney Cummings uh, completely, in my opinion, tone-deafly, seems very proud to show off that she has in her possession um, articles of clothing which are just like Serena Joy's wardrobe. Like the blue dresses and stuff, the teal, the teal of the. Can you describe my face? Grossed out. (laughs) I have to describe your face because it is, in fact, a podcast. (laughs) That's
1: why I I, I prompted you.
0: Yeah. Uh, Thank you for at least doing that. Um, Number episode number five is called Chicago.
1: Oh yeah. Uh huh. And
0: this is where I wrote. It's harder to make fun of this episode because it's pretty solid, even good. I like the Walking Dead slash Last of Us sort of vibe. Mm -hmm. But um, instead of, like, trying to survive zombies, they're, like, on the run from the law. Mm -hmm. And instead of being, like, a worldwide apocalypse, it's this, like, one local area where... Basically, it's post-apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's a sh- that's a show. Like, that's an interesting show. Like, you can cut between, like, this one war zone and then, you know, the part of the world like Gilead or Canada where things are, you know. Uh, Varying
1: degrees of normal.
0: normal. Yeah, m- exactly. Um, and so I like the sort of, you know, boots on the ground, you know, in the shit nature of this episode.
1: It's also really funny to see um to see June in a, like a
2: sweatshirt
0: yes so I said there, there's sort of a rebalancing where since I enjoyed this episode of the show uh, where they've instead focused their efforts to drive me insane <laughs> is once again in the uh, inside the episode uh, featuring mm-hmm. and so just real quick, uh, I could because I still think it it stands out as the as the best example of this. I already talked about it on the previous episode of the podcast. It's when the wife of the commander, who you call the law and order guy,
1: oh yes, uh huh,
0: she says in the show, "I'm a widow with six children," and then in the inside the episode featurette. We see the same scene, but she Mm -hmm. says five children. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Or maybe it was reversed, but the point is the same. She says a different number of kids.
2: Yes. And that got through. And this breaks you. And
0: they showed it to us. And that breaks me. (laughs) So this is more explainable, but it is still weird. Mm -hmm. In this episode, which is called Chicago, Mm -hmm. there is a narratively very significant Chicago Cubs ball cap. Yes. When you watch the inside the episode featurette, you will see multiple shots. Somebody had to edit this. Somebody had to, you know, with, as with all the inside the episode featurettes, they have to take the episode. I don't know if the episode is finalized or if it's in pieces. When they're editing together these inside the episode featurettes. I don't know Mm -hmm. how they do it. But they take the raw material. They choose things to show. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And there are other things they could have chosen. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But in this case, somebody chose to feature inside the episode. Multiple shots of the ball cap. And when you watch it. Inside the episode, there is no Cubs logo on the ball cap. No. So. What? The, the explanation. No. The explanation has to be that in order to have that in the show in the first place, they need to pay Major League Baseball. Uh-huh. And whether they meant to or not... They paid specifically for the rights to put it in the show, and those rights did not extend to the the behind-the-scenes feature at.
1: Oh, okay. You think it's the opposite of what I thought.
0: Which is that they...
1: That they somehow didn't know what the cap was going to be or didn't know if they would have the rights to it and so digitally added the logo in as opposed to what you're saying, which is that they took it out, which makes way more sense. There are two possibilities. For not making sense. Yes.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think it was always going to be Chicago. Mm -hmm. It had to be based on the way it was written. The show was written. One possibility is that in the show proper, they digitally Mm -hmm. added the logo. Yeah. Or... In the behind-the-scenes thing, they digitally remove the logo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's the latter.
1: Yeah, that makes more sense to me.
0: <laughs> I also suppose I had to speculate because mm-hmm. I had to think about this an awful <laughs> lot. My brain wouldn't <laughs> let that not happen. Yeah, sure. I was like, I suppose it's possible they shot it both ways. You know, they, yeah, guess, they did takes with the logo and takes without it.
1: The old, yeah, uh, yeah like they, t- they did it without it in case they needed to like, I was also thinking like maybe they didn't know which logo they should be using for some reason. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why they would have digitally added it. Right. So maybe, like you said, they shot it twice with what they wanted and then had a backup in case they couldn't use that.
0: Yeah, I think that the answer is digital removal. And I think yeah. that the reason is a rights issue. Yeah. Another less interesting thing that they did in the inside the episode thing is that uh, if you watch in the new season, one of these behind the scenes uh, feature featurettes, uh, mm-hmm. they do this thing where they show you a clip and um, they overlay on top of the clip on just like a quarter of the screen off to the side. Mm-hmm. They overlay uh, like a, a, a banner. It sort of looks like a torn page where okay. you see as if you are reading the script.
1: Oh, okay. The yes.
0: dialogue that is being said in the clip you're watching.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So they did this with one clip from this one episode. And it's a shot where June and Janine are talking to each other. And they are sitting one on one side of the screen, one on the other and facing each other. Mm -hmm. But I guess when they were editing this, they decided, okay, we're going to do the overlay, but the overlay has to be on the left side. But the way that this shot was framed, there's room for it on the right side. So, so what they did was they mirrored the shot
1: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) And I will reiterate and remind you that Uh this is a shot with Janine in it.
1: So her eye. Her
0: eye patch. It looks like her eye patch is on the wrong eye.
1: (laughs) So it's very clear that they, in fact, mirrored it and that it was not. Yes. The way. Unless for some reason. (laughs) They accidentally put her eye patch on the wrong eye. And it's
0: mirrored in the show.
1: And they had to mirror it in the show.
0: (laughs) So it would appear to be on the correct eye. That's brilliant and also possible, and I I commend you for thinking of that possibility. When I because I like the not.
1: idea that the actress who plays Janine Jean- just like forgot.
0: Hey, anything's possible, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is where I sort of catch up with the notes from last week, and mm-hmm. I and I write down Janine in character flat out says it's consensual. Yes. about her relationship with Stephen. Um.
1: And then, well, because also the way that that episode starts is them having what we later learn is consensual sex. But mm-hmm. I remember watching it and thinking, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, they're really playing with fire. <laughs>
1: like, why are you making me wonder how I should be feeling about watching this right now?
0: It's a it's a complicated, nuanced, <laughs> very, you know, thought-provoking <laughs> show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I wrote, uh, just to remind myself something else that happens in this episode, an an alliance forms between Commander Lawrence and Aunt Lydia uh, Mm. in a scene where Lydia uses the word testaments.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, she does. I noticed that, too.
0: And they make it very clear in the behind the scenes uh, interviews that they have read the testaments uh, Mm -hmm. and they are referencing it.
1: Wow. They say, incredible. A plus. They say
0: I think it's in the torture episode. I think while while June is being tortured, Lydia is like doing point
2: Yes. And they say it, yes, she is. they say
0: behind the scenes in an interview, um, we had her do that because that's something she does in the testaments. <laughs> um
1: I mean I pre- I mean I guess I appreciate that they aren't just like ignorant to this other book that was written.
0: They're absolutely going to get there. Like they, they can't wait to make the testaments. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm completely convinced, um, that that is the case. Um, and finally, the one burning question for episode five is, uh, of course, it ends in the bombing, right? Chicago. This episode ends in the bombing, and the one burning question is: Is Gilead reasserting its power? (laughs) To to which I wrote, duh. Uh, And the guests were Janine, again, Mm -hmm. and uh, Bradley Whitford, who plays Commander Lawrence. Um, And as far as I can remember, nothing interesting was said. Moving on. Uh, Episode six uh, is is called Vows. Mm -hmm. And again, you'll see some of my thought process from week to week where I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. So I wrote, uh, the one where June gets out, but what happened to Janine? Um,
1: infuriating.
0: What it, yeah, it is infuriating. One of the, one of the sort of themes, uh, that emerges watching this show is that you start to wonder about stuff that they acknowledge so little that it's like, they think that what they are focusing on is going to be so captivating yeah. that you won't be wondering about other stuff that they don't want you to wonder about. Um, they just, So they just forget about it. And it's very frustrating because it's like, okay, but cool. like, if you're not going to show us Janine, then like, could you at least show us characters you are showing us worrying about Janine?
1: Well, and like, the thing is too, is like, you know, they so they have June being like, I need to find Janine, I need to find Janine or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, they then never actually show Janine get recaptured or anything. Right. It's just like, no, she just didn't get out. And it's like, but why couldn't any, like if her and June were right next to each other when the bombs went out. Right. How, how did they not find each other then? Like how, like what happened that they were somehow forced apart from each other and then didn't run into each other or like see each other when they're, it just doesn't make any sense.
0: Who knows? Um, and
1: then it's just sort of like, eh, too bad for her, huh?
0: Yeah. I wrote, uh, I thought we would see more of Chicago. You know, I thought there would be more, yeah. you know, on I the ground. I thought we were going to stay the, there longer. But but I wrote, but this is good too. Um, I wrote, Uh, they, they hardly talk about, so, okay, so they, um, Moira gets June on the boat. Mm -hmm. And then the the dilemma becomes, will they try to smuggle June in Mm -hmm. or will they throw her overboard, I guess?
1: Um, I mean, and she's just like so over it at this point.
0: So um, the way they talk about smuggling her in is that they they are going to go through a checkpoint and they need to fake an identity for her. Mm -hmm. Uh, to get through the checkpoint, they do not talk about. They don't even, you know, what I'm about to say. You get addressed with like two lines of dialogue. Yeah. And then I would move on, and and I would pay attention to what you want me to pay attention to. They don't talk about the possibility of hiding her.
1: Yeah, they make it seem like there's if they hid her. She'd be found immediately
0: like they they do not talk about like there's there's no such thing as like a decent hiding place on this boat, like
1: yeah, okay, which is a big boat, it's not a small boat, it's not like a yacht or something. it just like a seems little... like
0: if they're going to smuggle her the the possibility of hiding her and they might find her in that hiding spot it seems safer to me than the possibility that they default to, which is we show her face and just say that she's a different person and we give her fake documents. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, they talk a lot about the consequences that they are going to face for smuggling June into Canada. But they, they never talk about the possibility of just keeping it a secret <laughs> like why is it absolutely necessary mm. that when they reach canada with june yeah that the government must be there to greet her and uh-huh. that it must be made public knowledge that she that she made it there and that yeah. they're responsible for it why not just smuggle her in keep it a secret
1: and she can, it cannot be a secret when they want it to not be a secret anymore.
0: Right. Yeah. And and make up some other narrative for, mm-hmm. you know, how she managed to get out and into Canada.
1: I also feel like they always make it seem like, and this just can't be true, that there's like, it feels like anytime somebody gets into Canada, with the exception of Moira's character. Mm-hmm. Like they have to cross over water, like as mm-hmm. if there is a river that goes yes. along the Canadian-American border. Yes. I
0: think one of the <laughs> one of the funnier scenes that is not at all supposed to be funny is is when uh, Gilmore Girl is is crossing yes. into Canada with the baby. Yes. And has to cross a river with a with a baby. Um.
1: And it's cold. Yeah. Did you see my tweet about their coats though? I said something I genuinely appreciate about *The Handmaid's Tale* is that they always are wearing coats. Mm-hmm. Like, it, more often than not, they're wearing coats, yeah. which makes sense because it's Canada. Right. Whereas in *Degrassi*, which takes place in Canada, it's like it's a seventy-five degree day every day for most of the year. When most of the year is during the school year, so it, they should be wearing coats like basically all of the time. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: it's true. Um the uh one burning question for episode six was Yeah, is June free? <laughs> uh and the guests were Anne Dowd again and uh Whitney Cummings again. Um oh
1: my god, Will. I like the idea that I mean, was did the way that they addressed the question was it like
0: It was about oh, trauma. They they, okay. they talked about it the way you talk about Living with trauma.
1: I do I was very briefly like um wondering if they were just gonna muse over whether or not she was gonna get sent back or something like that.
0: Uh yeah, no, it was it was <laughs> like logistically. It was more about, you know, emotionally will she, will she ever be free? Or, no. or psychologically or
1: All of these people are traumatized eternally.
0: Yeah, and that's what they talk about because that's what the <laughs> what the show becomes about. Speaking of which Episode seven is called Home. Yes. And um I'm gonna read my my top note and mm-hmm. you know we're goofing on this show because it's fun to goof on and it's goofable. I think it's goofable and that and it almost makes it sound like we're we're making light of some very serious issues because the show know, is we're about we're very serious issues, but
1: making light of the way they deal with them.
0: <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> With that in mind, um, I wrote episode seven is the one where June becomes a rapist. I know. And then I wrote in parentheses, (laughs) untouched in behind the scenes videos. They They don't mention it. They don't talk about that scene in any of the interviews. They barely address it in the show. In the show. In the text of the show.
1: The most that they address it is Luke's character at one point says to Moira, and in bed it's like, And just sort of, like, trails off. Mm -hmm. And it's like, in bed she's raping you? Mm Because it seems like she... It also is implied that this is consistent.
0: Yeah. Uh, That's true. Which is also very, very fucked up. That happens as well. So, okay, here's the thing. Um, When the first three episodes came out all at once, I was like, I gotta take notes so I remember all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, I committed myself to writing notes every episode. And then I immediately fell out of the habit of writing the notes after I saw it. And then I was reminded when the next episode came around. So a week would go by between Mm -hmm. me watching the episode and me taking the notes on that episode. Mm -hmm. And this is the week when that came back to bite me in the butt because I... Did I failed to write down something Mm -hmm. that I swear I saw, but Mm -hmm. now a week you know, when I went to write it down a week later, it was no longer there. Yeah. So I don't Oh, they
1: edited it out, you think?
0: It's not in the show. Yeah. It was in the episode description. Oh. I think I remember there was a Warning in the description of this episode Uh that does not appear in the others.
2: Uh
0: And then when I went to look for it a week later, I didn't find it. Okay. But to, to start up the show and watch it, it's no different. You know, every episode says this is intended for mature audiences. That's it. But when you pull it up on Hulu, you get to see, you know, episode whatever the title there's a little blurb you know june goes to canada or whatever Mm -hmm. i swear this one the one where she rapes him yeah And i think that that's the reason why Mm -hmm. i think that this episode and this episode only had a warning that said something like this episode contains sensitive material that some viewers may find upsetting or something like that.
1: As if this whole show wasn't pre, not not pre-mitigated. It wasn't, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like like the whole premise of the show is
0: assault. Right, yeah. That's where you're starting from.
1: (laughs) Yeah that's the baseline
0: but I think somebody saw that scene where a woman rapes a man and decide well this is
1: too much this, this is what calls we, this for is where we go too far an
0: additional warning but it's also it was also sort of hidden to be in the episode yeah. description anyway um so I can't point to evidence of it. Um, I can just tell you, uh, I remember that. Um, let's see what else I wrote. June, Okay. This is this is a uh, this is a very special episode. Yes, on for multiple reasons. We've already said a couple of them. Mm-hmm. The next one is, this is arguably arguably the most tone deaf thing that they do. The entire The season. hijabs? Yes.
1: <laughs> the fucking hijabs? <laughs> I was losing my mind. Okay,
0: I have to say what it is. For people who haven't seen it. June's in Canada now. Luke takes her to a grocery store where she starts to have PS- PTSD like flashbacks. To when she, she starts to have a panic attack, she, specifically. Right. She yeah. starts to have a panic attack. The grocery store, we've seen many scenes set in a grocery store in Gilead in the show. So the Canadian grocery store starts to remind her of Gilead. She um, removes something from a shelf, and then through the shelf, it's as if she sees two handmaids walking by.
1: Which, by the way, is not how any grocery store set- shelf works.
0: And then she has to shake herself back to reality, and in reality, she saw two real women wearing hijabs
1: in the same, probably literally, cut from the same cloth because of the costume designers.
0: There, so it's the same color red. Thereby, you know, unambiguously drawing a comparison. Between yes. the hijabs and what the handmaids tell, what the handmaids uh, are made to wear.
1: Well, and also I think it's worth noting that um, the eyes that she sees are Alma's eyes, not Brianna, who was also been a recurring character for four seasons and also died.
0: I can't tell you a single thing about <laughs> Brianna. I don't. I. <laughs> You're you're you are breaking the mold by I ge- knowing I guess that I character's just, name.
1: I guess I just mean like, you know, like oh, you only feel guilty about the one of them. Mm-hmm. Like they could have had both of them, both of their eyes, right? Because yeah. there's two people. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to mention a red thing that drove me nuts. Yeah. This is like a nit that I have to pick, please, because I I know the the history of this in real life, which is that when she's at the fancy hotel. Standard for all high-profile refugees. Sure. <laughs> With Luke. Yeah. She very reasonably takes a shower and falls asleep for I 14 hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the things that, like, actually makes complete sense within the realm of the story. Um, but when she comes out of the shower, she's wearing a robe. hmm And the robe is that fucking red. hmm and this made me so angry because no hotel will have red robes at them i know why they have it clearly i know why they have it but hotels specifically only have white linens do you know why this is
0: um something about stains
1: patrons to li- to hotels need to be need to have their fears assuaged that the fact that they're sleeping on a bed that a lot of people have probably like had sex on mm-hmm. and so among other things and so the idea is that all of the linens are always white in hotels so that they can sh- prove to you that they're clean because if you see a perfectly white sheet you know that it doesn't have yes. like blood on it or something mm-hmm. and so a the same is true of robes so no hotel ever would have a, wa- a red robe. <laughs>
0: Have you considered that things may be different in Canada? And maybe it's an ode to the maple leaf.
1: <laughs> an ode to the maple leaf. Uh, this is yeah. one of those things that's like, it just doesn't matter. And it's like the show is making a point and I just like, get right. out of that fucking color. Yeah.
0: If we can reach a mutual understanding about their priorities, you, you know, you want to talk about not caring It's like not caring about certain, you know, the way things would have to be in reality because certain other priorities, you know, take precedent. Uh,
1: Like making sure that they have their colors. Like the
0: aesthetics. Yeah, exactly. And And how that hijab thing made it to air is so baffling to me. It's like that is not supposed to happen in 2021 (laughs) um so but but also uh uh this next one is possibly my my favorite Mm
2: -hmm.
0: so part of the reason why i liked the chicago stuff and you were talking about how you know your conversation with sarah about focusing on the refugees Part of what is commendable about this season is the world building that they do, right? The the expanding of the world and the consideration of like, what is it like in other parts of this world? Um, And that's what we are attracted to and interested in. So I want to talk about how sometimes it seems like They are not considering very carefully the implications of what must be true or going on in this world because it's not the same as ours. Yeah. I pointed out in the last episode of the podcast that uh, they made the decision that it is present day. Yes, yes. Um, That it is not set in the future or Mm -hmm. an alternate past. But if you look at a document in the show that has a date on it, it has the year 2019, I think, Mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. So in this episode, um, uh, Luke and June uh, have visitors in their home. Mm -hmm. Um, Gilmore Girl uh, comes over with a, a boy child uh, named Oliver,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and her son, uh, and Oliver and and Luke uh, greet each other. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm going to say? Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Oliver
0: says, "Can we play the new Fortnite?" <laughs> and I looked it up, and. Uh, Epic Games, who made Fortnite, uh, is an American company. Yep. Because it crossed my mind. Okay, maybe they could get away with this if Fortnite Those, is like the from, Fortnite
1: guys got out. Well, the Fortnite guys got out.
2: Apparently.
1: You know who else got out? The fucking Zoom people. The Zoom people got out.
0: Thank, bless you for remembering, because <laughs> I don't think I have that in my notes. <laughs> That the last thing that Fred and Serena ever say to each other is maybe we can Zoom.
1: And the, one of the last shots you see of Serena is, is her sitting at a screen that just says Zoom. She's
0: downloading on it. it. I believe she is seen downloading Zoom in the finale right near the
1: Which, like, never, I, somebody who's on Zoom constantly, never is it just like a white browser and it just says Zoom. We're
0: on it right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, Fortnite exists. In in the in the Gilead ravaged universe of the mm-hmm. Handmaid's Tale, and thank God. Yeah. Um, the one burning question uh, is, um, what is Serena's end game? <laughs> I don't remember what Serena did to provoke that.
1: Is she not working with Fred, or is she back to working with Fred? There's some like hot and cold. I think that, that happens. that's just
0: starting to to. So maybe that's why
1: that came up.
0: Um, And uh, the guests were uh, the guy who plays. Oh, Mm.
1: I know why. It's because she tries to get Rita to be her like fucking maid again. That's right.
0: (laughs) That's true, too. Um, They didn't have Serena or Rita on the show. They had the guy who plays Nick and the guy who plays Mark Tuello. Uh, And uh, so, you know, you get to hear Nick's real Accent, as with so many of these. Is people.
1: it so? Is it so beautiful? Because he is such a beautiful man.
0: Yeah, sure, probably. And
1: I, him, British seems like a great idea. Yeah, uh,
0: I'm. I'm not against it. That's fine. Um, episode eight uh, is called Testimony.
1: Yes, hilarious. This
0: is the second episode directed by Elizabeth Moss, and it is the return of Janine. I wrote uh, after yes. two episodes of her absence um this is i wrote this is the episode where i decided that this is the best season of the show not just pretty good or a little better mm-hmm. um this is uh, an episode where we see june uh in group therapy mm-hmm. and she's being asked about how nervous she is to give her testimony and she says i can't fucking wait
1: in the most beautiful library. Yeah. That isn't like, you know, one of those ornate libraries that's like multiple levels. A, like why why is, is this beautiful library here?
0: In a Star Trek library. Yeah. Um, she says, I can't fucking wait. And the reason why I bring that up is because if you watch the inside the episode, she just says, I can't wait. <laughs> they cut the profanity out of it. Why did they do why why would you do that? Why'd they do that? Um Okay, so this is uh, specific. uh, Earlier I was making a generalization. We were talking about Mm Janine, her absence. I was making the generalization about how, you know, they want your attention here, but your attention is actually somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, And the specific example that I want to bring up is that um, this episode is largely about um, June and Luke, the the disconnect between the two of them,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and apparently, based on how the episode ends, what the show wants us to understand is that June has one particular secret. Yes. And it's, she hasn't told Luke about the last time she saw Hannah mm-hmm. and the fact that Hannah was afraid of her. and that's Specifically
1: what, because Luke is like, it's too late. She's not going to remember us now. And she initially was like, no, no, she remembers us because she did mm-hmm. one of the times she saw her. But that's part of the reason why this is a secret. Mm-hmm. Not just that she hasn't told her, but also that she's sort of lied.
0: We know that. And we know all that. And that's what they want us to think about. Yeah. But they don't really specifically come out and say, like, June is troubled because she's hiding this one particular thing. Yeah. And the whole time I'm sitting here watching it and thinking, there's way more that she could tell him about. Yeah. Like not only things that she was subjected to,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: things that she did. Like she was responsible for that one nice lady's death, you know? Yeah. She she killed a man. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot that she could confess to or open up about mm-hmm. um that might bring them closer together, might bring them uh bring her closer to recovery. But it's like the show. It only cares about this one thing, and Mm -hmm. and it expects the same from the audience.
1: Yeah. Well, and also, something that I feel like I didn't totally realize until this episode was that it's been seven years since, maybe not since Gilead, but since they were captured. Okay. Which is, like, more than I thought. I thought it was like five. Yeah,
0: that seems... Which I know that that seems like
1: not that big of a deal, but seven years is the difference between if Hannah was like four, Mm -hmm. seven years means that she's 11, which means that she's getting very close to being of age to become something that's going to be abused. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's five, it is like a lot more time. Like she's still like very clearly a child. right? Um, Yeah. Which I feel like is a Something like that pressure is like a different yeah. situation.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize that it was supposed to be seven years, and I agree with you that does that seems a bit too long.
1: Because I think the idea is that sh- when the show starts, it's been like three and a half years, and now it's been another three and a half years or something. Yeah, or three or
2: right. four.
0: Right. I can, I can track on either that, side. Sure. But yeah, there's something off about that. Uh, I've talked about this before, the assumption in television that a season of the show must be a year in the characters' lives. Yeah. And how when you subvert that and you're actually careful about it and pay attention to it, it can be, you know, much more effective. I wrote um, about the testimony this is for you, Liz. I said I was hoping that it would be a Canadian courtroom <laughs> there in Canada. I was hoping we'd see a giant portrait of Queen Elizabeth like uh-huh. we did in, in Degrassi.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but instead it was, it's it's like the International Criminal Court or something like yeah. that, which I had to Google to find out was a real thing and not. Some made up BS for the show.
1: Which, as a note, when she walks in there, like Luke and Tuello are in the, like, not the wings, the high balcony, mm-hmm. the balcony, yeah. mm-hmm. but nobody is in any of the seats. Yeah. And my first thought was, like, oh, yeah, because they can't be there because it's coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, that's not real in the show, though.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> or maybe
1: it is and it's still 2019.
0: Maybe. Can
1: you will? Can you imagine if they address the coronavirus in a future season of the Handmaid's Tale? I,
0: if that's what, <laughs> where they go in season five, I will. Uh, I will. Yeah, my head will explode. That's that sounds so good. <laughs> um, okay, so two episodes left now. Number nine yes. is called Progress, and the first. Uh, so so th- this is mostly about like whether they can maybe still get hannah out and if so how yeah and and plan a turns out to be a phone call to lawrence
1: Mm -hmm. who again makes no sense as a character his character is confusing and i don't understand why he's there and i don't understand his motives or what he cares about
0: yeah absolutely um again it's a complex complicated nuanced
1: and why is he always wearing that dumb scarf
0: it looks good Uh, and he knows it. And I wrote, why is Lawrence the first call they make? <laughs> uh, why do they try that before they think of Nick? Um, Luke, by the way, the guy who plays Luke is is commendably great. Yeah. In this episode, specifically in the scene where he brings up the subject <laughs> yes. of what about Nick? Uh, he He plays that super well.
1: And he's like, no, I don't want you to go see Nick. Mm -hmm. i also want to say too about um about him that scene which i thought was super fucked up but in a good way in terms of his like acting which was that nicole who he's been caring for as her father Mm -hmm. who at one point says uh we need to go home to our daughter, and they don't really acknowledge it. But June like looks at him when they're in that hotel. Still, mm-hmm. immediately suggests that she take the baby with her, knowing that this baby could get stolen. You know what I mean?
0: No, yeah, I know. I do know what you mean. I never like considered basically,
1: that. basically suggesting. I mean, and it doesn't happen, and it's fine, blah blah blah. But like the fact that he would be like. Yeah, take this other baby that I've been caring for and hypothetically love and put that baby in the same danger of being recaptured just so I can get back my first baby. I feel like shows how he has sort of broken a little bit I think since shows, June had came, come back.
0: I think it shows that the show actually successfully worked its magic on me a little bit because I think the show never meant you to consider that the baby was in any danger. Oh,
1: really? I, I, I thought of that right away. I was like, this is really fucked up.
0: I never considered that, and I think that that was the show's fault.
1: Huh. When he says, like, I think you should take Nicole, he says it so... Or whatever he says, whatever line he says where he suggests it he sounds so dead. Like he sounds cold and dead. And
0: my reading of the scene was that it was all, they were just writing and playing the emotional stakes of Luke is her husband, but Nick is the baby's father. Mm -hmm. And who does she really love more? I, I did not get the sense that they were writing or playing stakes of like it is worth the risk of putting baby Nicole in this danger to get Hannah or information about Hannah. I think the show thinks Nick, you know, we're not dealing with Gilead. We're dealing with Nick and Nick yeah. would never do something like that. Hence, there's no danger of that. I do. I don't think that that was part of it in their minds. And so, um for once, it was, they were successful for, on me because it was never an issue in my mind.
1: And I agree with you that I think that that's the main part of that scene. But I definitely read the Nicole thing as being an additional, like when you were saying the stakes is like Luke versus Nick, sort mm-hmm. of. I see that as him being like, well, if you're going back to your lover, you should probably take like his daughter back to her. Yeah. And that sort of coldness being, like, an additional, like, um, challenge to June, almost.
0: Yeah, that definitely adds to it. Um, the, uh, this brings me to the one burning question of this episode, which is, do Nick and June belong together? (laughs) Uh, and, uh, the guests, uh, were, uh, Whitney Cummings returns. Um, and, um. And the woman who played uh, plays Rita was was a guest.
1: I really like her character, by the way. She's I good. think her. I think her character. I think her acting is very good. But I think that her and I, her character's small enough that it sort of we don't even allow it to get ridiculous or whatever. Yeah. But I like the idea that she's this like very conservative woman who really, truly, like, earnestly believes in God Mm -hmm. and sort of tried to make the best, I say in heavy scare quotes, of being in Gilead um, and, like, couldn't help but care for the people around her. But then when she's removed from that situation, like, when she says to Tuella, like, you know that I was, like, considered property, right? Where she has this sort of, like, overlap between the... Like sort of left and rightness of it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yep. Um, I was really curious to see her free in this season. Um, and I, uh, that was one of my favorite parts was getting to see her in yep. Canada.
0: Yep. We got a little bit of that. That's good. We got to wrap this up. Um, oh yeah. I, I skipped over last episode's one burning question from episode eight. It was Are June and Lydia the same?
1: I I feel like these questions were written by um fourteen year olds um like on like a blog in like <laughs> like and, a fan blog
0: and the guests were the guy who plays Nick mm-hmm. and this woman who plays Mrs Putnam
1: yes Naomi
0: who, uh, if you say so
1: Naomi Putnam
0: okay. Um, she was the wife that where Janine was a
1: handmaid mm-hmm. and whose husband's got his hand cut off
0: and did not appear in the show this season up to this point. And then it was not until episode nine <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that she reappears. Yeah. And so it was very weird for them mm-hmm. to slot her in, um, a week, a, too, little, a week too early. A little foreshadowing. Indeed, it turned out okay. to be, but they did not <laughs> reference that because that yeah. would have been a spoiler. Um, so uh, this uh, episode, but getting back to episode nine, so this is the third and last one directed by Elizabeth Moss because okay. she would not get to direct the finale. And I said earlier that television is not a director's medium, which is mm-hmm. a, a an accepted maxim, but there is one moment uh that's very visually striking that could easily be like a director's choice and it's the shot where all the ants are at dinner do you remember this
1: yes and it looks like
0: the last supper
1: yes and there are those two new ants that look exactly the same but they're like very different height
0: Mm mm-hmm thank thank you um (laughs) It looks like The Last Supper because they're all sitting at one side of a very long table. Yeah. And that image alone is striking. But then also striking is that it's this very slow, gradual zoom on Lydia. So it starts Mm -hmm. wide. So we see the whole table and Lydia's at the center and it just zooms and zooms and zooms. And the shot is long and there's a lot of dialogue until finally it's a close-up on Lydia. Uh-huh. Um, and and that was pretty cool to see. And then also, and this is not a criticism, yeah. I just think it's kind of funny, that scene ends when finally, in as tight a close-up as it's going to get, Lydia says, this chicken is dry, and then it cuts <laughs> to the next shot.
2: Yes, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: which also, as
0: a
1: note, there are these new ants and the, there is this idea that the, there are these, like, new up-and-coming ants and they're, like, hip to the groove or whatever, and Aunt is like, out of style.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just want to know, like, where, like, how do you get to be an ant at this point? Like, how do you get to be an ant if you're 25
2: mm-hmm. instead
1: of a handmaid or, like, sent to the colonies?
0: That's a good point. Yeah, some of the ants seem too young to be ants and they're clearly
1: new, you yeah, know. Right. Not just new to us.
0: Yeah, there's there's a sort of a missing justification there that I hadn't considered. Um episode nine is the return of Mrs. Keys, who we now know as Esther. Yep. Who I was just relieved to see was in the show again because mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting character and a good performance. And so there's this plot about Janine um sort of being uh uh what's the word a mentor go between uh, uh, an ambassador ar- arbitre- arbiter, arbiter between uh lydia and and esther and hinting it i don't know what's in store for janine in the future but hinting it you know is she going to stay at the red center is she going to become an aunt Rather than being put into a new household or something.
1: Oh, that would be very interesting. Mm -hmm. Because she says, like, please don't make me go back into the service. Like, So, yeah, making her an aunt would be interesting. And would maybe answer some of my questions.
0: (laughs) Indeed. So, finally, um, uh, episode 10, the finale is called The Wilderness. Mm -hmm. Right away, we get flashback but in not really a scene just sort of in like a visual montage sort of way yeah and um voiceover for the mm-hmm. flashback and it's and it's it's not very good um
1: no it like ugh.
0: and uh okay so i took these notes more more recently i i, I forgot to write down the zoom thing I also think I failed to write down. Um, it's it's very you know the whole thing with Fred and Serena in prison and the way the prison looks and the way Mark feeds them information and the way you know Serena people can just
1: visit them at will.
0: Serena gets Rita to visit her. June visits Serena when June wants to, and then in this episode. June visits Fred when she wants to. And then she says to the guard, will you leave us alone? And he does.
1: (laughs) Well, and also just the fact that Naomi, a wife, just like visited from Gilead. Just like.
0: That's true, too. Yep, they were on some diplomatic mission.
1: One tiny note about the last episode. Do you remember what they gave Commander Waterford as a gift for the baby?
0: Cigars? Or, oh, they, for the baby? I uh, do no.
1: Yeah. They gave him a... This is... I can't believe you didn't catch this. Or maybe you didn't. You just forgot. They gave him a tiny commander's outfit. Oh, for right. For the baby.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> I... I remember that. I sort of didn't think too much about that. That is that is very funny, though.
1: It's super funny. It's very silly. It's like by. It's like getting like the son of a police officer, like a tiny cop uniform that has a tiny gun.
0: And that's stupid, but also <laughs> I could very well believe that 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 happen, yes. that's that that is being done somewhere. Um. So I wrote that I missed um, Lydia and Janine and Esther in this finale. They, mm-hmm. they they don't appear at all. I was interested in that. Um, and then I wrote, so the big problem here, in my opinion, is, that, is the way they framed what, what was going to happen at the end of the previous episode. Yes. The way that June finds out that they're making a deal with Waterford is Mark Tuello says, well, we do have a new source of information. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about leads for getting Hannah out. Mm-hmm. And then in the finale, they are just focused on June reckoning with the possibility that Fred Waterford is going to go free. Mm
2: hmm.
0: They're not reckoning with a dilemma that I thought they were setting up that seems interesting, which is what if the best option for getting Hannah out was working with the Waterfords? Yes. There are no consequences to that. Like, it is not presented or framed in such a way. That June is choosing revenge over her daughter. Yes. Like, the the episode 10 just totally forgets mm-hmm. about the possibility that maybe they will ever, you know, get Hannah back.
1: Especially because they know exactly where she is. Right. And it's far away. True. But it's because it's Colorado. Mm-hmm. But they know exactly where she is. But Nick basically goes, yeah, it's impossible to get her out of there. There's just like guardians everywhere. So, but like, here's some picks.
0: Right. But then after that, they're talking about it. Like they're still pursuing leads. Yeah. And then it's like, well, our best lead is working with Fred Waterford. And then June, you know, goes off the deep end. And it seems doesn't care about the possibility of getting Hannah back anymore. Not nearly as much as he cares about. Like, well, he can never be free. Better that I kill him. That that would be justice.
1: And I think it's very clear too that the final arc will be one hundred percent Hannah to me. That's what's clear. That's what I think because I it's sort of the last, I the, untone, unturned, unturned major plot point. In yeah, it
0: yes. That seems true to me as well. However, the way that the final episode ended, I mean, they can do whatever, you know, they'll just... Yeah, they'll just do whatever they want. Something that happened that they wrote, they can just throw it in the garbage and never acknowledge it and do something different. But it really seemed to me like they were setting up like June having killed Fred is saying goodbye to nicole she's saying yeah. goodbye to luke
2: mm-hmm.
0: the only path for her to go down now is to basically be as i said before the female dexter except in her case she has a like group that she's leading yeah like it seems to me like the like the where the story goes from here is June is a leader of like the Revengers. Yeah. And at the cost of her family mm-hmm. that she could have had um had she not been so badly traumatized. Yeah. Um instead her her only recourse is uh a, a justice that is, you know, the same as getting revenge.
1: I guess I see I agree with what you're saying. I imagine her going through, like, is it Sherman who just burned everything in the South? And her just, like, sort of, like, killing people on her way to Colorado. And maybe even the tension being between, like, her just murdering everyone to try to get Hannah back versus Luke in Canada trying to, like, fill out some paperwork.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they could do both. Um, We will find out because there will Mm -hmm. be a season five. We have known this for, uh, since before we got to see season four. Yes. Um, another question I had, which, which Dana didn't, um, wasn't on the same page with me, uh, for was, um, so when they, when they kill Waterford and, and Nick helps Mm -hmm. and Lawrence was there, but not there for the killing. He was just there Mm -hmm. for the handover. Mm Mm-hmm. What are the other leaders of Gilead supposed to think? Yes. Are they supposed to think he's probably dead and that's good? Or are there going to be consequences where you know Gilead is like, hey, where the hell is is Waterford? The and stakes are
1: so unclear.
0: Canada is gonna have to like pay for it somehow. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see whether that will be swept under the rug or whether that will be part of the narrative.
1: I'm going to guess that it's going to be very sloppily addressed. Probably Even if it becomes like a major plot point for an episode.
0: (laughs) Sure. And then finally, I think this is finally... um, uh, It made me laugh when they were in the woods and Nick, like sucker punches waterford and uh waterford well it made me laugh when waterford goes ah fuck (laughs) yeah and then and then as he's recovering from that nick and june start making out yeah and waterford says what he says what the fuck is this (laughs) and then and then i think those might be his last words The, the the tone was, was so weird in that moment that it was very, very funny to me. Yeah. Um, any final? I have o- a nitpick. Yeah, please.
1: Why did June wipe her fucking face before she got back to her baby?
0: So that she could pass on the blood to her baby.
1: But also, like, the blood that is on her face is, like, it it's, like, a terrible job by makeup. Like, it looks like somebody literally just wow. took a sponge and was, like, bloop bloop, bloop, on like three parts of her face.
0: Wow. Putting the makeup department on blast. We've put production design on blast and the costume department on blast. Is there any, do you have anything to say about the catering before we?
1: Before we sign off, I would like to once again mention that we somehow have not even addressed the fact that Elizabeth Moss is a Scientologist.
0: That's it for the Smug Buds. This (laughs) month, see you in August. Yeah. Follow us on Twitch for Magic: The Gathering stuff,
1: and we'll see you soon. Love you, Will.
0: Love you too.
1: Bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxed at Youngest of One, and his website is WilliamHoffacker.com.
0: You can find Liz at Exclamate on Instagram, at Exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website ElizabethDeannaMorrisLakes.com. Our website is SmugBuds.com. And the podcast is at SmugBuds on Twitter and Instagram.